welcome back to the Blushy Boys podcast. BlushyBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. Let's get the show underway. Welcome back. This is the Blushy Boys podcast. I am your host, Brandon Day. With me, my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how's it going tonight? Not too bad. Can't complain. Well, I mean, I could. I spend most of my day doing it on Twitter, though, so I probably shouldn't, you know, bring it to the workplace. Yeah, exactly. That's what Twitter is for, really. That's where, that's where everybody goes to complain all day long. And then get mad when they suffer the consequences. Oh, sorry, Aubrey Huff. <laughs> yeah, well, we can talk about that. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> oh, Aubrey Huff. Oh, oh Lord. Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. At least, you know, despite the fact that the Astros thing just will not stop and, and actually almost feels like it's gaining momentum uh, still somehow at this point and we can't avoid it. Uh, at least, you know, we have baseball activities. Um, th- that's what I needed in my life. I needed to see, you know, Miguel Cabrera show up and hear how much, you know, weight he's lost and how great he looks. And I need to see Matt Manning and Alex Fiedo and Casey Mize and Tark Scooble and those uh, guys running around on the backfield. I yeah, I was pretty excited popping. to see that Alex Fiedo shaved his stupid goatee. That was a really nice sign. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad to hear that for the fourth year in a row, Jordan Zimmerman is finally healthy. Yep, the first time he's come to camp healthy. Yeah, which is, I, I think it was... Um, Out of four straight tries. <laughs> yeah. Tigers UK, where he pulled up all the tweets from previous seasons, and apparently that exact same thing has been said every year. Yep, yep, this is the... So, uh, I mean, sports are full of cliches to begin with, but nothing more so than the beginning of spring training comes with such, such a vast accoutrement of cliche oh so. they're so good yeah, yeah. i needed you know what was it miguel cabrera was saying something the other day i loved this quote that was he was talking about how he watched the world series and he saw that moment between Anibal sanchez and max scherzer where they're like we did it like we finally did it yeah and he's like oh, i'm really hoping to be able to see that in detroit soon and i'm like oh sweetie i know <laughs> I know. The only way you're going to see that in Detroit is if, like, I wow, yeah, I'm like, mm, well, maybe because you're going to be with the team until we're all 400 years old. But and that's another part of, of spring training is that you know athletes have got to get themselves in that mindset where they're like, you know, no, you never know what can happen. You know, Ron Gardenhire is out there like, hey, you know, I've seen teams go from worst to first and blah 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 blah. Everybody's got to feel that way and say it, but it just sounds so goddamn insane at this point that, yeah, it's almost worth just just not doing it this year, guys, but okay. Yeah, it's a worthwhile reminder to point out that they did post a picture of the World Series in the locker room last year saying, if you don't think we can win it, you don't you shouldn't be here, and then they lost 114 games, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, who cares you know, about the World Series anyway? You know, I mean, like Rob Manfred said, it's just a it's hunk just of metal. It's a piece of metal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my how, God. Okay, so I know we're not going to get into the Astros thing until later, but, like, how does the commissioner of baseball actually get out there and say that the commissioner's trophy is just a piece of metal? Yep. I know. Th- this, is, this is the guy who's running the sport, the guy who... Who apparently thinks that, yeah, you know, all oh, the World Series is totally overrated. <laughs> yeah, just a piece of metal. Unbelievable. The one thing that these guys are playing for all year, the one thing that the Astros cheated for, and it's just a piece of metal. Yeah, I mean, Unreal. it almost just felt like, you know, like a, re- a revealing error in which he basically explained that, you know, 
I work for the owners and all we give a shit about is the money. <laughs> so, yeah, which we much. know, but yeah, that's become yeah. quite clear over the last few years for sure. Anyway, we'll wait and we'll, we'll discuss that more later, but yeah. let's, let's settle to the positives and, and talk a little spring trading. Alex Wilson throwing some sidearm. That's interesting. Yeah. Alex Wilson now with a, a, what, a master's degree in psychology since we last saw him, and now a sidearm delivery to give guys a different look, and also pulled the, like the, I don't know, like the 10 times Daniel Norris by rolling up to spring training in a 42-foot giant motorhome. Yeah, an RV set up about 10 feet away from the literal circus. Yep, he put it in the parking lot, and apparently the circus set up the, the very next day. <laughs> So he was Amazing. 10 feet from the the pleasant sounds and smells of the local carnival, which is going on there. So that that, that whole, uh, Alex Wilson's just always good for some fun that way. I genuinely think my favorite thing coming out of spring training right now is pictures of Alex Wilson's face. Because um, I've never seen a grown man look so defeated. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just... Ugh, it's so I mean it's it would be sad if it wasn't just so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, and of course he's not really defeated. He just looks that way. <laughs> like he, he I think he's kind of always had that kind of face. And I say this as somebody with chronic resting bitch face. Um some people just have that face. Yeah, yeah. Alex Wilson does have kind of a just a angry, sort of like slightly miserable look on his face most of the time. And I mean, maybe yeah. that's compounded by being out there with a whole bunch of 21 and 22 year olds when you're 32 and watching them run circles around you and laugh and play grab ass <laughs> and run amok. And you're like, oh. just trying to, yeah, just trying to make that's sure. That's like my, my realization today when they, somebody tweeted something about like what age you have to be for seniors tickets <laughs> and it's like 60 years old. And I realized that chronologically I am closer to being eligible for senior ticket pricing than student ticket pricing. Uh, yep. Oh yeah. Oh, what a moment. Yeah. I'm sorry about that, but yeah, yeah. I crossed that, uh, that bridge a while back. I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird actually. Uh, like we, I don't want to talk too much about aging, but it is weird to get into your forties and then you start feeling like all of a sudden you're catching up to your parents all of a sudden. Cause they've been old now for quite a while. Both my parents still alive, you know, still married together, still doing, still doing well for the most part, um, despite health issues. But yeah, you know, it's like, they're not that far away. You know, <laughs> my dad, well, was, yeah, my mom's but, officially a senior now, yeah. but like, yikes. Yeah. 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 It's weird. It's just weird how it, how it turns over to where once, once you reach a certain stage of life, it doesn't sort of matter that much. It's it's more about are you healthy <laughs> than, than, yeah. than what, what age are you? So yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely hitting on all cylinders there. And yeah, there's there's got to be some older players and you know who come to camp every year and just start just you know just feeling it, you know, just sweating, exhausted after the first day of like light workouts and like what the hell am I still doing here? <laughs> I know that feeling very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Tigers have made a move since the last time we were on the air. Um, we missed last week, but um, the Tigers signed Cameron Maven. Um, just a little deal for one. What was it like? One point five million. Um, not a bad idea. Um, you know, he was with the Yankees last year. Uh, I think he started out with the Indians on a minor league deal, and then the Yankees just had a slew of injuries, um, picked him up, and he was great there. Um, I think he only he played about half the season, and what did he hit? Da -da -da. 285, 364, 494 for a 127 oh, WRC+. That's plus. not bad at all. No, that's great. 
Uh, he would yeah, be the I mean, leading hitter on the Tigers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he gave some quotes talking about how, you know, the Yankees sat him down and, God, we wish the Tigers would do this sort of thing, um, and said, listen, you know, you're 6'4", 215 pounds. We want to see you drive the ball over the fence. You know, we want to see you hitting fly balls. We want to see you hitting deep liners in the gaps. You know, we want to, want to see you taking your hacks. And he took that to heart and hit 11 home runs in, you know, basically less than a, a half a season um, of a bat. So... Uh, maybe he learned something there about um, driving the ball in the air a little bit more. Um, but yeah, either way, I mean, it's good to have a veteran in there, I suppose. How did you feel about the the signing overall? Does it does it move the needle for it, you? You know what? It, it it didn't wow me by any means. But Maven's kind of like that good clubhouse presence. I think as long as none of the players get too wrapped up in the fact that he was with the Astros in 2017 briefly, um, you know. Yeah. That that doesn't, you know, get held against him, and I don't know that it would. Um, yeah, he was barely he's already playing. Come out. Yeah. yeah, he barely played for them. I don't think it really impacted his play any. Um, he certainly wasn't one of the masterminds of the entire situation. Um, and he's definitely come out and said, you know, well, shit, it was one of those things. Wish I could have done something different, but didn't. Um, yeah. And I don't think that that's going to get held against him, and I hope not. As long as he kind of, I think if he kind of addresses it going into the season with the guys and is just like, hey, like, you know, here's here's the deal. He's got that kind of great clubhouse vibe to him that I think, uh, especially from a veteran player, could really help some of the young guys get excited for the season, even if it is going to be, you know, a slog. Yeah, I mean, he's a, yeah, and it, you know, it shouldn't be as much of a slog as it was last year, at least. And I, I think he does, yeah, bring some some leadership for some of the younger outfielders. Uh, give them an example a little bit. And, you know, is probably right from the jump our best outfielder. Um, so he's also yep. probably going to get to play a decent amount. Um, as far as the Astros thing, I, I can't even imagine any of the Tigers even care. Um, you know, like we're so far from, well, I'm, from I, anything I mattering. Just, I don't know. It's just a matter of, I think, of how kind of angry most of the, like, we're seeing a lot of anger, I think, in players that don't usually express it. Um, like you're seeing the like guys like Nick Marquez and Mike Trout, Mike Trout, weather loving Mike Trout coming out and being pretty riled up about it. So I, I don't know that there's a zero probability that they wouldn't have some hard feelings. But again, because of how far removed I think he was from the situation, by and large, it's pretty hard to be mad at him for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly like it just seems impossible to be mad at him. Like he had nothing to do with anything, you know. So. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe that maybe there will be a conversation too that needs to be needs to be had. But um, yeah, I don't imagine that's going to be any kind of a problem, really. Um, Not and, a deal breaker or anything, no. No, and it, you know, I mean, he. I don't really think he's going to take away too much. I mean, there is the problem of the Tigers having like. 10 outfielders who now don't really have anywhere to play. <laughs> um, not really sure what they're going to do with like Jacob Robson, Danny Woodrow, Jorge Bonifacio. Uh, let's see, Troy Stokes, Travis Demerit. Um, there's just outfielders all over the place who, you know, are, are sort of stuck between the guys who are coming up and will need jobs at AAA and are more higher priorities like Daz Cameron, Derek Hill, etc. Um, but, I'm not, I just don't feel like any of those guys matter, honestly. Um, I, I can't really see anything being lost by giving some of that playing time to Cameron Mabin. And, you no. know, Travis or Victor Reyes can kind of run around and, and play a little bit everywhere. 
Seems like Jacoby Jones is still going to be the starter in center field, even though Reyes was better defensively last year. So I guess that kind of sets up the outfield. And yeah, like, you know, Cameron Maven is still relatively fast, like still does some things for you on the base paths. Um, he, he's just sort of a versatile weapon who can play anywhere in the outfield. And, you know, should produce a little bit. Um, he, he's kind of learned. And he's still to... relatively young, isn't he? Yeah, like he's only 30... 32, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, the, the way the game is going where, unless you're a star, as soon as you turn 30, like, it's all over. There, there are still, like, valuable guys like this um, all over the place for the taking. Um, we did see that your boy Jason Kipnis did, did get a job on a minor league deal, at least, so... Minor league with the Cubs. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, teams seem to be picking those guys up eventually and kind of either stashing them as sort of a fourth man um, in the outfield or as the backup at a infield position or just sending them to, you know, triple A and having them there for backup. So um, it's it's kind of a weird time for guys in that, that sort of journeyman class. But, um, yeah, if you can play a bit, you know, you're, you're still going to find a job one way or the other. So I, I was glad to see Kipnis, you know, at least, at least it isn't over for him. He'll still have a chance to contribute. And yeah, Maven's coming off, you know, one of the better years of his career. So who knows, um, who knows what he might have to offer. Um, yeah. Beyond that, like, uh, any other kind of stories standing out from you so far? Um, all the spring training coverage that's going on, anything kind of catch your eye or just make you laugh? Anything great going on? Uh, I like that we're already into to like peak guardy antics. Um, I think it was what Matt Boyd, somebody hooked up his chair so that when he sat down, an air horn went off. It was the aforementioned uh, Alex Wilson did that. Yeah, it was Alex Wilson. Yeah, there we go. Willie Wilson. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty delightful. Um, uh, I really like that Tiger's um, PR, not PR, but their um, social media department is really picking up their game this season. They've got a drone. Um, so they've been harassing Chris McCoskey apparently with that drone, which is also delightful. Um, picking up some kind of cool overhead video and they've been pretty on the ball about sharing, um, you know, some cool stuff out of spring training, which I think hasn't always been, um, the best, but I mean, props to Tiger social media because they've consistently been pretty solid, um, even when the team hasn't been great. Um, so it's kind of cool to see all that. And it's good to see that the young guys are out there. I like to see Casey Mize was there first thing, you know, um, and he's looking good, even if they're taking it easy on him to start out with. Yep. Yeah. Seeing the, the young guys like, yeah, him and Manning and, you know, Fiedo, Scooble, all those guys, Isaac Paredes, Daz Cameron. There's, there's a lot of guys in camp right now. Um, they've, they've pretty yep. much got like the whole top 10 of the, um, the prospect list, if not more. And yeah, it's just kind of nice to see those guys all mixed, mixing in together. There's been some comments from, like from Ron Gardenhire and some of the the more veteran players, you know, about just looking back over your shoulder and you can see all these guys are right there, um, you know, flashing really, really good stuff. Uh, probably could outpitch most of the guys, frankly, on the roster already. A lot of those, a lot of those guys. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it just kind of gives you that, that sense that we are at least nearing a new stage where those guys are going to start making their way up. Um, and having them in camp and just that, that sort of energy, like hearing the, hearing stories from like Joey Wentz about, you know, he's living with, uh, Matt Manning and Jake Rogers and how, you know, from the minute he got there, it's just been like one long super Mario Kart tournament. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, that's what they do. And Jake Rogers giving quotes about how he's a dry bones man and all this kind of hilarious stuff. So yeah, you know, just like having the kids around, 
Uh, and, you know, kind of their somewhat wide-eyed nature about all this is pretty cool to see. Um, definitely, definitely makes the wait for actual games go down a little bit smoother. So that's, that's, that's all been fun and entertaining content. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's nice to kind of see those fresh faces and the excitement that still exists, right? Like it's, it's definitely a breath of fresh air. Yeah. 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 It can just be rough when you have too many veteran players in the team and you're, and you're bad and there just isn't a lot of like guys coming out to make their name you know you've got a lot more guys just kind of hanging on the past couple years so yeah just just the vibe in general from all that has been pretty good I guess um yeah it was Alex Wilson who did that to Gardy and then Gardy was saying that he was going to this is a college uh college football rivalry um I think between Texas A&M and uh, maybe Arkansas for Alex Wilson but I don't know Gardy was talking about stapling these gigantic um, bullhorns onto the front of his motorhome. So I'm hoping that goes <laughs> oh, no. down. Yeah, if he could bolt those onto the front of that, that'd be great. I could see Alex Wilson oh. actually kind of being all right with that generally, apart from the college part. Hopefully his wife and kids aren't anywhere near him for that part of it. Oh dear. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And we had the, um, we had the yearly like launch, ag- ang- uh, excuse me, launch angle argument on Twitter earlier today, because of course, um, Victor Reyes, was given quotes about, you know, letting the power come to him and, you know, how he's not going to try to hit for power and he's not going to try to hit home runs. So, of course, Chris McCloskey has to roll out the quotes from Leonis Martin um, about how trying to hit the ball in the air was screwing him up in 2017 and then he came to Detroit and flattened his swing and was way better and on and on. But, of course, when he fixed the swing, what actually happened is that he hit way more fly balls and had the best first half of his entire career <laughs> so we just keep yeah. coming back to this uh to this argument over and over again about um about launch angle and whether or not your swing should be flat or slightly inclined and all this kind of stuff and yeah that argument's going to continue going on but it really doesn't matter in victor reyes case because the problem there is that he just doesn't hit the damn ball hard enough uh, we've got we've, <laughs> we've got the evidence you know we know what his average exit velocity off the bat was and it was like 85 miles per hour last year which is well below ma- major league average so the launch angle thing is cool, but you have to hit the ball hard first. And if you're a guy who, like Avi Garcia, who hits a ton of, you know, rocket ground balls and, and liners, yeah, that's the kind of guy you would love to see kind of add some more fly balls. But you do have to hit the ball hard uh, to begin with. So I just don't know. Uh, I don't know if Victor Reyes has, has enough in the tank there, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> I guess he's starting to run out of time, right? He's 24 now. We've had him for a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, the make clock something is ticking. Mm-hmm. Had a, had a pretty decent second half last year, so we'll see if he or Jacoby Jones can can take a step forward and, and kind of seize the role full-time in center field. But, um, yeah, all in all, not not a whole lot to look forward to maybe from those two guys. Um, I don't know, Isaac Paredes is in camp, and it's kind of it's good to see him hitting off those guys, um, taking live BP against some of the, the Tigers pitchers and stuff like that and doing well. Um, he's a guy that we might actually see this year, hopefully take over at third base at some point. Or maybe not, hopefully, because it would be ideal if Jamer Candelario would just hit the snot out of the ball. But It would be nice if he could live up to those early expectations, yeah. <sighs> yeah, those first two months were, were really uh, pretty darn good. Yep. And we just haven't seen it since. So there, there's somebody to hope for. But then there's also just been, um, there's been a whole bunch of interesting tidbits, um, like... Uh, Matt Manning is out there working on a slider now, and that intrigues me greatly. I was uh, I was stoked to see that 
kind of development. Apparently, he's just kind of getting started with it, but we've kind of been talking about him developing a slider or a cutter, one of the two, for a long time. So, not that he necessarily needs it, but um, cool to see that he's still kind of working on developing um, some new pitches. He kind of took over from Casey Mize this offseason as a bunch of different sites finally just put him number one um, on the Tigers list instead of Casey Mize um, following in my footsteps finally. And, uh, <laughs> you you were the trailblazer there, absolutely. You've been Thank a you. Matt Manning stand one. Yep, from day one. So, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got all that kind of going on, and that's all been fun. But, um, of course, let's see. Actually, let's take a quick second, because there was something else I want to talk about. Ah, uh, where is it? There's another article. Yeah. Well, we're finally full squad, which is nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we've got the got the full squad has shown up, but we also had the uh, the Alan Trammell story, which may be. Which may be oh that. my God! Yes, that was so good. Yeah, this is the kind of story you get from the off season when you have like old ball players out running around <laughs> together. Well, and it also reminds you that it is still winter because when I first heard the story that Alan Trammell came up to camp today, but he was wearing a boot because he had a snowmobile accident. I was like, what? <laughs> and then I looked outside my window and I'm like, right, it's definitely still winter. Um, but I loved that he, for Guardy, he was just like, I blame Gibby because apparently I guess Tram was out snowmobiling with Kirk Gibson and they let tram lead but he is not a i guess an experienced snowmobiler by any stretch of the imagination and according to Gardy, he went like straight into a stop sign yeah like could not turn and somehow like yeah missed the missed a sharp turn and went off the off the trail and somehow broke his fibula which is just not great no, um, not fun. Yeah, I, I I'd like to hear that story in detail now because I want to know like how they got him out of there. <laughs> like, did he just? I mean, it's Alan Trammell. Maybe he just like, hey, I'll be fine, you guys, and then just rode the rest of the way in. But I don't know. I, I'm envisioning them having to lash a whole bunch of, you know, like pine bows together <laughs> and then drag him on this <laughs> on this thing down just the trail. Kirk Gibson carrying him out like a damsel in distress, just like through like five feet of snow. Yeah. Oh. And the, um, yeah, and the, you know, the other thing about Miguel Cabrera is that we hear this every year and I, I'm, I'm so used to just being super skeptical about the Miguel Cabrera has lost weight stories. Um, but he actually does look kind of lean. Um, for once it actually, it seems like maybe it's true, um, that he got himself well, a chef and like, you know, changed his diet and took out the carbs yeah, and slimmed up a little so bit. Maybe a conversion of fat into muscle kind of situation because I definitely saw a post listing his official weights um, for like the past eight years and it was like 240, 240, 240, 240 and then it jumps up like the last three years like 249, 249 and then this season also 249. Yeah. Um, so I feel like yeah I, I agree with you 100% he looks great. Um, and it's not the first season he's come back looking really good. And so I think it was maybe four years ago or so he rolled into camp and I'm like, damn, Miggy looks great. Um, so I, I'm hoping it's just like, he really decided to like bulk out and like just really focus on his health. Cause yeah, apparently his actual weight has not changed much, but he does look really good. Yeah. And I, I don't know. And I'm suspicious about that, that post too. Like who was, it? I think that was Evan from M live posted that, but it's like everyone's around camp saying like yeah it's great and he lost a bunch of weight but then you post the listed weights and he hasn't lost hasn't lost any weight like I, i'm not i don't know i'm not really sure what well, to make of any of this all i know is that he looks 
he looks a little leaner. Yeah, that's all I can say. Weight is such an irrelevant measure, right? I know, like, it is. It's not just the weight, yeah. It, it's like, because if you're really muscular, you're going to be a big, heavy guy, too. I mean, nobody's really looking at these 249-pound baseball players and thinking to themselves, that guy's fat, and he's not athletic at all. Like, I swear to God, I think about 75 pounds worth of Miguel Cabrera is just in his forearms. Yeah, so he does have yeah. some sizable forearms, that's true. Ridiculous. Oh, man. Um, and then, yeah, we had another um, kind of interesting story, which was, and I don't have all the details because I think this was the Lakeland Ledger that reported this, and they've got it all blocked out. But you can go hunt for this um, online if you're interested. But I guess the Ted Williams Museum donated um, a a really nice copper statue of Ty Cobb um, to, to Joker Merchant Stadium, I guess, generally. And they've got it there with, like, a plaque, and um, it's, like, a full-size you know, replica type statue and, and looks pretty awesome. But I thought that was kind of a, uh, kind of a cool little addition that they had apparently mixed in. There. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. I guess there's I a hadn't Ted heard Williams... that at all. Yeah. There's a Ted Williams museum in um, St. Petersburg at the trop, I guess. Um, that's what yeah. Oh, saying. there is. I've been okay. there. And I guess they were the ones who donated it. So that was pretty cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of a neat little, that's very cool in the, um, in the tidbits category. We should, we should pester some of the local reporters to take pictures of it if they can find it. Cause I'd like to see that. Yeah. 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 But we've had, uh, let's see what else has gone on. We've had Gardy talking like, a little bit about the bullpen. Oh, I'm sorry. We, you weren't done. Keep going. <laughs> I was just going to say we could, Make Jason Becker and his dollars. That's all I was gonna say. Yeah, we should have him uh, yeah track down the story there for sure. Yep. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then Gardenhire was talking a little bit about the bullpen and talking about Joe Jimenez and Buck Farmer as sort of his closer and setup man. Uh, but they also have Gregory Soto and Jose Cisnero both in camp, and both of those guys pitched in the Dominican, excuse me, winter league last year, or ju- well, or just recently, like over the last few months, and have both come into camp. I guess you know in they're just much closer to um, mid-season form than, than anybody else is there. And I guess both of them been, have been touching 98 and uh, and looking really good so far. So that's been kind of a good sign. Like, that that's going to be one of the key things, I think, to watch um, this spring. There, there aren't a whole lot of roster battles that, that really seem particularly compelling, but, the, but who wins those spots in the bullpen is going to be key. So um, seeing those two guys um, in there... And really impressing everyone. It kind of seems like they have the early advantage over, like, David McKay or um, maybe some of the other young guys or, like, a converted starter like maybe Kyle Funkhauser or even Bo Burrows if they decided to go that route. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to see um, kind of how those those things all shake out. Um, Nick Ramirez is in camp, and obviously he was our kind of dedicated, I don't know, like, semi-long man, semi-only lefty reliever. Um, for, well, yeah, without Hardy now, they need to have somebody like that in the pen, so it'll be... Yep, yep, so he seems like he's going to get a shot, and apparently he went home uh, for maternity leave um, today, or paternity leave, excuse me. There we go, I was going to say paternity leave. I'd be very, that would be very progressive yep. of the Tigers. I know, they're very progressive. Bringing a pregnant woman into pitch. <laughs> uh, hey, if she's, got a, if she's got the arm, I don't care, you know. Yeah, man, hey, no, no shade. <laughs> don't mess with mama. <laughs> I would be very impressed to watch like a nine month pregnant woman throw relief. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yep. Like, that, that woman would deserve an MVP trophy. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, nothing really of super big, big note coming out of spring camp so far. We had Joey Wentz had like a little bit of forearm tightness, but they're saying it's nothing. So hopefully um, that's the case, but 
Um, other than that, like Franklin Perez being there and just throwing baseballs and feeling healthy and good um, is a huge, huge sign in the right direction. Um, we'll no, have to his arm is going to fall off. Yeah, weeks. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm just not going to buy it until, you know, he gets like 15, 20 starts under his belt. Um, but, you know, for now, we'll, we'll have to take it and hope that, um, that that's not all just a bunch of sunshine they're, they're blowing there. Um, he, he says he feels great, um, says the offseason did a lot for him, having, having a lot of time off. So since we don't really know what the hell is going on or what's been wrong with him in the first place, I guess we'll just have to take that and, and, and hope. Because, man, if he could, uh, if he could come back and, and get it together, that would be huge. So we shall see. Um, but a yeah, minor baseball miracle. Yeah, just a little one. That, that would be helpful. <laughs> the Tigers can use all the miracles they can get. Yeah, when you think about Franklin Perez coming back and then pairing him with Scooble, Fayetto, Mize, and Manning, I mean, it, it is really tantalizing just to think of how many good arms um, th- that is. Like, there just isn't another another team in the game that has that much pitching talent assembled um, in the minor leagues. There are definitely farm systems that are better because the Tigers are so far behind with hitters, but um, yeah, it's it's nice to have all that pitching coming. It's just that, yeah, like on this timetable, like when do we get the damn bats? <laughs> when, when are you guys yeah, going like, to When go? are we going to focus on a, a true infield? When are we going to look at maybe who our real third baseman of the future is? Or, you know, settle on some variety of a shortstop. But, you know, that's just questions or yeah try to find you know players that actually still have some team control or you know signing guys to multi-year deals of some sort um but yeah that's not the way it's gonna go this year but uh overall you know with romine's scope prone and uh and and victor ray or (laughs) cameron maven in there yeah i mean you know at least there's a little bit more. There's a little bit more depth. Um, there's a little bit more frontline talent in a guy like Crone. And yeah, overall, I mean, you just you just don't know. Um, I, I guess we're we're a little early to start giving our predictions. But do you feel like there's any chance the Tigers could at least, if the pitching is healthy, if, if the pitchers stay healthy, could the Tigers hang around in the first half and at least kind of be vaguely vaguely in it, like almost 500-ish? Do you think that's even a possibility? No. Hmm. I kind of do. I'm such a, like, I'm definitely I'm not I, I feel. I'm I'm here to be pleasantly surprised, but at the same time, I'm just like if if the Tigers win like 68 games, I'll be over the moon. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. I think I, I think I was guessing at 63 or 64 the other day, and that's probably where I'm gonna end up gonna end up landing. But yeah, I, 65 but I feels see... realistic. 68's my stretch. Yeah, it's just that it's baseball. And crazy shit could happen. Like if the Tigers, oh, have, yeah. if the Tigers have a couple of injuries, like to the right people, they might actually be better <laughs> off. Um, you know, frankly, like you know, if if Jordan Zimmerman goes down in May, and you have to, and you decide to call up, you know, Mize or Banning or somebody like that, you know, that could actually go well. Um, I don't expect the Tigers to to be very aggressive promoting those guys. That's for sure. But uh, but if someone's actually injured and you have a whole hole in the in the rotation, that might actually be more of an opportunity than a problem this year. So I kind of said that well, last year, thinking that we had you know Turnbull and Burroughs and Funkhauser all in our back pocket, and none of that worked out. Um, so Turnbull the same thing can happen this fa- year. Fantastic in his rookie season, though. Like, yeah. I mean, you can't hold the losses against him. He did a sensational job for his first year. Oh, for sure, so... he was good. It was just that. I, I, I thought we had him like back, you know, like we had, we were going to be able to have him at Toledo. So if 
somebody else went down and we'd bring him up. And instead, they had so uh-huh. many injuries. Yeah, he was right in there from the beginning. But you're right. He, he did have an excellent rookie season. Um, and everybody should be pretty excited to see him again this year, I would say, and see if he can kind of build on that a little bit. He looks like he's in really good shape in spring training, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he's got. Yeah, and I mean, the dude has the reddest beard I think I've ever seen. I mean, it's Such red. Such a red beard. Yeah, I'm not sure. Very viking ass. Yeah, I'm not even sure peak Justin Turner could, could compete in terms of redness. Though length and fullness, of course, certainly. Certainly yeah, Justin the, like the girth of the beard on Justin Turner is more impressive, but the the copper glory of Spencer Turnbull's beard is definitely uh, <laughs> the winner, I think. Yep, yep, it's pretty uh, pretty fantastic. So, oh, what was the other note that I wanted to just toss out there? Oh, you know, another thing that came up from the pitchers was that Tarek Skubal had been out at Driveline um, Baseball in Seattle um, this nice. offseason and working out there. That always feels good just to know that you had a guy, um, you know, take take the offseason that, you know, it's super serious. Um, go to a place like that where there's, you know, state-of-the-art equipment and training. Um, and, you know, obviously there are plenty of other places you can go. Daniel Norris goes to that P3 performance place. There's, there's a whole host of, of options nowadays. But, um, but Driveline being kind of the key innovator and now uh, the unofficial um, guru central for the Cincinnati Reds with um, Kyle Body and Trevor Bauer both there. Uh, it's just good yep. to know that, yes, Scooble, you know, didn't kind of sit on his laurels and think I had a good season. He went out there and worked with Matt Boyd um, and and worked on some new things there. And we've already had some reports that his curveball um, is showing signs of being even tighter than it was last year. And if he gets one good breaking ball, everybody is fucked because, wow, that fastball was good last year. Holy smoke. So we've got that. We've got, um, oh, what was the other the other sweet tidbit was that Jake Rogers um, spent the offseason working with Doug Lotta. Um, Doug Lotta is a, uh, a hitting coach who basically just had, like, his own kind of little school. Um, but he worked with, like, Marlon Bird and I think mm. Daniel Murphy um, kind of at the beginning of the, the fly ball revolution era. And he was one of the, the key kind of independent teachers who was really – sort of pushing guys to, to free them up to look to drive the ball in the air more. Um, Justin Turner went and worked with him, and that's kind of that, that tandem kind of produced his breakout. So he's got a really good reputation, and I thought it was great that, um, you know, Jake Rogers took that on himself to go work with, with someone like that um, and try to smooth some things out. It looks like he's cut down his leg kick. And the other cool thing I thought was that Joe Vavra, who is now the Tigers hitting coach, um, he was like the quality control coach the past two seasons. Yeah, um, but he's been a hitting coach before, and he's taken over from Lloyd this year. And he was in communication with Jake Rogers and Doug Lotta um, d- while they were working together, watching film. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I thought that was a really good sign that there was a collaborative effort that went on there, and it wasn't like, oh, he went to this outside coach yeah. to learn stuff. Yeah, because that would be my initial thought. Like, if you go to this outside coach, is it is it going to mess up the kind of philosophy of your internal Tigers coaching? Is it going to conflict with what you've already gotten from that higher level training with the team? But if it sounds like they're working together, I mean, obviously, if you're a, a hitting coach for an entire team, there's a lot to think about. So if you can have somebody spending all that one-on-one time with a guy who may not yet be ready for the major leagues I think it's probably really helpful and I I think that was really where Rogers is lacking so for him to know that about himself and to see where he could improve and to do it with the blessing of the team I think that's great yeah 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 I mean he said you know he really he feels so comfortable with the leg kick that that it's just going to take a lot of work to to make it comfortable without it but yeah it was just kind of a necessary adjustment like 
Jake Rogers has a lot of raw power. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think if you think of, like, what would be the ideal outcome for Jake Rogers, and it would be some kind of, like, Alex Avila-ish type hitter where, yeah, yeah he's, he strikes out, but he does walk plenty and hits for a ton of power. And, um, and yeah, all that seemed designed to, to help him just make, you know, more hard contact, and hopefully that won't really um, sap any of the power at all. But, yeah, just a good sign there. Um Joe Barbara's job basically as quality control coach was to be the liaison between the analytics department and the front office and the coaching staff. So it kind of makes sense that he would be more open to, to collaborating with a lot of different um, philosophies and styles. And I think that that speaks well to him, of him as a coach, because, you know, it, it's just never a one fit all or a one size fits all kind of a thing. And having someone who's willing to you know, bring in different perspectives and, and be open to all that, I think is, um, is, is the, the best kind of coach, especially in this era when there's so much more information um, that can clutter up hitters' minds. There's so many more people, it seems like, starting up little hitting camps or little pitching camps um, who do or do not necessarily know what they're doing. Um, but, yeah, all a good sign to, to bring in some outside help or to go seek outside help for some of the players. So, yeah, those are all some of the, the feel-good stories I've noticed over the, the past week. <laughs> At least as we uh, get things underway here. Um, how long do we have until... Ga- when do they play... Are they playing Florida Southern this year? Didn't they, they skip that game last year? They and... didn't do it last year. They did the, They did a different team last year. And then, of course, it's escape. It's a different, like, Southern Florida something or others. Um, hold on, let yeah. me tell you. Yeah, it might even have been a high school team instead of a college it was team. not no it was college. it was not it I was college level that, that they were sort of even a lower tier um so yeah yeah it was definitely different it was not florida southern which is a real shocker i think um february 21st uh is yes southeastern university oh yeah okay yep and then so, starting up with the phillies cool. on saturday although none of on these... the 22nd yeah I don't think any of the, those are going to be broadcast uh, yet. It's so. not until I think the very beginning of March that we're going to start seeing them air, um, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's anyway. about right. Like we might get a radio broadcast, but yeah, you're not gonna not gonna see anything until. Um, yeah. Oh, let's. Sorry, speaking of that, um, let's talk about the A's for a second. The A's. Um, <laughs> okay. The Oakland Athletics. Um, are phasing out radio broadcast yeah. as of the next season. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. They're they're pushing it in as like, oh, you know, it's okay because through the app this is available and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, whoa, guys, that's, I mean, for starters, radio is one of those things that makes the game more accessible. Yeah. Um, it makes it easier for people who may not, you know, live and breathe internet to get access to the games. And it's how, you know, so many people, I think, grew up falling in love with the game. And so, I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about, I don't listen to games on the radio. But I, I, I have in the past when video wasn't available and that was my only alternative. And it just... It's crazy to me. Like I, I still can't process the idea of just not having a team radio option. Yeah, it's just odd. Like you'll still be able to hear the hear the games. Like there's still some kind of a broadcast, but yeah, it, it's only through like what? Yeah, what do they call it? A's A's cast. Yeah, A's cast is what it's called. Yeah. So yeah, I mean you can still stream it, but and I, I mean I guess this is the way it's gonna go. Like. 
I, we know we've all been kind of talking about like a lot of, you know, I, I know a bunch of people in bands, a lot of friends of mine are musicians or at least music obsessives. And it's kind of been a topic, like how much longer is, is, you know, kind of commercial radio at least going to be able to go on um, as opposed to, you know, just competing with like Sirius XM, um, you know, maybe college radio will still, still keep things going. But, uh, but other than that, yeah, streaming, you know, streaming broadcast is going to be, going to be the way we're going, I guess. And I don't know. It's interesting to see the Rays kind of make that move first. Um, I just wonder if it isn't because they've always sort of felt second fiddle, um, you know, like in the Bay Area on the radio. I would imagine that the Giants get priority. <laughs> so I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's it's hard to say because you're right. It is a tight market. Um, side note, without dwelling on it, the uh, the Giants have agreed to raise salaries for their minor league players a season earlier than the rest of MLB. Oh, that's interesting. And actually, that it just, that's, that's a topic I'd like to get into as well. Yeah. Yeah, they just announced that today. Um, so all sorts of interesting things happening out of the Bay Area today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know how to feel about the the cutting of the radio thing. I just it I know it is a sign of the times, but at the same time, it's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel good at all. I mean, I I definitely would agree with that. Like it it seems strange just just to even contemplate it. Um, like I try to think of it for the Tigers, and I can't imagine a season without Dan Dickerson calling. Oh, it sounds games. awful. I mean, like, I mean, if you want to put Dan Dickerson on the TV broadcast and then just, you know, stream that, I, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's such a tradition here, especially maybe maybe we have a different viewpoint just because Ernie Harwell is such a legend. Um, but yeah. yeah, it doesn't doesn't feel good. Doesn't doesn't feel like the kind of thing where it's like, oh, we're in a in an awesome new era. <laughs> Feels like we're no, in a, a more restrictive and, and pipelined new era where. You have to, all the team's content is all going to be, you know, available only through the team. You know, they don't want partners. Um, you know, they, they want to control everything and profit off everything and not really have any sort of, you know, secondary pieces and players involved. Um, I've been kind of waiting for someone to do that. I mean, obviously the Yankees with the Yes, yes Network, but it does feel like we're going to we're gonna end up at that point where the, they're not broadcasting you know, on TV anymore. Um, this might be a ways down the road. I don't know when cable television is finally going to totally just collapse and give in to streaming and, um, you know, all the, all the different Netflix, you know, whatever you got, Roku, whatever you want. Um, but it seems like, you know, sometime in the next decade, we're, we're probably going to be heading that way. And it all just feels like a, a new different forms of consolidation, um, more so than, you know, like, I don't know, any advantage to the fans, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like another way for teams to make money. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, another interesting way. what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. And another interesting way that the teams might be making money is that (laughs) it seems like, I I don't know how long this has gone on, but apparently like most of the minor league rosters are now available in MLB The Show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So all these guys' likenesses are being sold and, and used by, by the major leagues, but I don't think there's any compensation still coming out of that for them. Oh, I sincerely doubt it. Yeah, yeah. Which all is just to lead into the next topic, which and somewhat undercut it, um, because we've kind of had this conversation going for a couple years now about minor league pay and about the fact that, you know, prospects are now, you know, the hotness compared to what, you know, covering minor league baseball or top pros- prospects was like even 10 years ago. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's such a you know a, a popular part of the game to track those guys. Um, you know, those guys are of interest to people far more than they used to be. And you would think, you know, that that would allow them to, to parlay some more money out of, out of their likeness being used, um, and their popularity and their Jersey sales and all that kind of stuff. But instead, and I'll, I'll give MLB some credit, at least this is something, but we're going to raise minor league salaries, um, for the 2021 season. And as Ashley just said, the Giants have committed to do it next or this season, which this is pretty year, cool. Yeah. But um, rookie and short season ball um, pay is going to go up from two ninety a week to four hundred a week. This is only in season, of course. You don't get paid in the off season. Um, single A is going to go from two hundred and ninety a month to five hundred a month, or I'm sorry, a week. Um, double A is going to go from three fifty a week to six hundred a week, and triple A from five hundred and two a week to seven hundred a week. Um, these are not, you know. They're substantial increases in a sense, but the pay it has been so bad for so long that, you know, you look at like, you know, 20% increase, like that seems really good, <laughs> but yeah, but, but this is factoring really so in stuff like clubhouse fees. I know the Giants said part of theirs is that they'll also help pay for housing, I think. Yeah. Um, I would need to read deeper into it. And so that's a big thing. I mean, if housing is is included and not being taken out as part of those wages, then yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, but I still, when you think about it, like minor pay and these are like AAA players only getting paid $700 a week. <sighs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, to become a AAA uh, level baseball player, you are one of the, you know, the top thousand baseball players on earth, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, so it's insane to me that like they could come up to the majors conceivably for like a week and make more in that week in the majors than they'll make all season in AAA. Oh yeah, by far. Yeah, I mean AAA they were getting five hundred and two a week and major league minimum um, for you know for players under team control is five hundred and fifty thousand. Um, yeah. which is just kind of bad. so for anybody who isn't doesn't know how that works, you make whatever portion. Of the seat, like so, it's not like you get paid five hundred and fifty thousand automatically. But if you work, work it out to whatever that is per game, the players would get that amount per game for the time they're up in the majors. So hold on, let me do the math because I feel like doing it. Okay, you can't stop me. So let's say I think it's like five hundred and fifty-six or something. But let's say five hundred and fifty-three thousand is the average. Yeah, and we divide that by one hundred and sixty-two games. So the average of that is $3,413 per game. So that's what those guys are making when they go up to the bigs for a week. Yeah. And that is by far, like, I mean, it's maybe not what they would make in a whole season, but it's it's huge. Yeah, because even at AAA, I mean, 502 a week over a, you know, 23-week mm, season, I mean, it, it's like $12,000. <laughs> Like, yeah, which I, is still I, below the poverty line. It's insane. Yeah, and some guys seem to have you know different deals because I know a lot more guys at AAA actually make a, a more reasonable salary, like make like thirty five, forty thousand a year. Um, but it it doesn't come out of just that. You know, a lot of that is presumably stuff that was worked out. You know, in in contracts and in bonuses. Again, it, it's still like the, the the higher tier players having some some leverage to negotiate those kind of things. Uh, I don't want to, you know, take a giant crap on this because it's it's great. Uh, like these, and these are really, really substantially sized raises. Um, 
if you look at the, you know, just go by percentages, but the pay was just so low to begin with that, you know, it, it'll make an impact and that's cool, but there, there's definitely still quite a ways to go. And my fear is that if we add up all this increased pay, um, what you will find is that the league intends to save almost that exact amount by cutting the 42 teams that Rob Manfred yeah, wants to cut. Yeah, so. literally what I was just about to say. Yeah, it's it's not that they're being suddenly super generous. It's that they plan to shut down quite a lot of what they're paying for, and they're just kind of shuffling that money over. Yeah, I don't really think there's any, or at least there's very little extra commitment um, coming here from from Major League Baseball owners to to pay their guys better. They have just decided that they will take that bottom tier of guys and just get rid of them. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But it, so. It, which kills me because it, it isn't even a bottom tier. Like, we're, we're talking about how the Tigers could lose their double A team. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll still have a double A team. It's just that it, but won't, it won't be, be eerie. An eerie. Yeah, yeah. But that's what kills me is it's you're not just scrapping your, like, short season A class. <laughs> like Yeah. And like these it, little rinky dink stadiums in, in all over Florida. It's like Yeah, and nice for them stadiums, to say yeah. that I think one of the things Manfred said is that the reason they're cutting some of them is because the like the stadiums aren't up to par or they're in bad shape. But like the stadium in Erie is like undergoing upgrades as we speak and is absolutely up to MLB standards. Yeah. Like yeah. so the it's it's BS is what it is. And they just want to cut spending. Yep. yep, that's really what it is. And I kind of wonder, like, if, if Major League Baseball thought they were going to get a little bit of good press out of this, like, in the midst of, you know, just the ongoing fuckery of the Astros situation. Mm. Um, but this just got subsumed because it just won't stop. Like, on a daily basis, like, Rob Manfred seems to give new and somewhat contradictory statements about about what's going on, about what he wants, and um, I don't know. Or the th- Astros themselves are busy putting their feet in their mouths. Like Carlos Correa needs to stop. I know, but I kind of. But it's just funny with Carlos Correa because everybody wanted detail. Like everybody's screaming at the Astros, get up there and talk. You know, tell us what really happened. Then if you guys, you know, blah blah blah. If you want forgiveness or you know for us to move past this, and then so then he did, and everybody just was furious. <laughs> Well, because he's lying. That's why. I don't oh, know that he's Altuve lying. Didn't wanna, I don't he know didn't want to take his jersey off. I, th- I think he's lying. Yeah, but that's fine. I, but the thing about the tattoo, which everybody immediately flipped out about, like he had the tattoo. Like that. 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 There was some. The problem is that we've gotten into the point where no one can believe anything, and so the conspiracy theories are flying as thick and and fast yeah. as like accurate criticism of the situation i'm afraid that's all i'm sorry but like a a script tattoo that says melanie or whatever on it is not so embarrassing that you need to like not have your jersey removed and it certainly wouldn't have been unfinished like i'm not a a tattoo artist yeah but i have had several large-scale tattoos and small ones and the idea that a single script tattoo would take more than a single session is absolutely no, not even a remote chance. A single color, black and gray, script tattoo, you'd be in and out in an hour, an hour and a half tops. So unless Jose Altuve has zero pain tolerance, there's no way that t- tattoo was unfinished. Well, I, I, it's not that it was unfinished, it's that it was jacked up, apparently. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. I mean, like, you see it now, and it's literally just a, like, it's not a cover-up. I know, it's just a curly, like, curly writing of his, what, daughter's name? Pretty- with a heart. tattoo of a name like it's 
Yeah. Yeah. I cast. I cast doubt. Uh, yeah. Let me roll a natural twenty. No, that, <laughs> that was nerdy, and I'm so sorry. That's awesome. No, I mean, I mean, we should be skeptical of it all. I mean, there, there's no way not to be. But I just, I don't know. Like the buzzer thing, I just, I wonder about because if they were already using buzzers, like if they had taken it to that point where they had gotten past the trash can and set up a buzzer system, what's the, you know what is there possibly to stop them from just doing that this year? Yeah. I'm also or dubious of, of the, the buzzer scandal. Um, but yeah, I think the whole, he had a jacked up tattoo is, is a filthy lie. Um, That's fine. I, I can, I, I can see that. I think it's absurd. Yeah. And, um, and I think this Carlos entire thing came out and said, yeah, that it wasn't like Tony Kemp and Josh Reddick and Jose Altuve were like the three people who would, who didn't use it. Um, but yep, then, yep. of course, Carlos Gray also had to get all saucy and kind of go after Kurt Suzuki and Cody Bellinger. Um, and it was it was impressive almost to see him lash out at, at people in the midst of his team's like utter fuckery um, and, and be like mad and indignant about a few things. And on that score, yeah, it was like that was a side where, you know, that part just went totally insane off the rails. And I was just like, oh, wow. I can't believe you're actually uh, coming back at people this hard like this. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. Although I love I think the big revelation that I thought was fairly interesting today was that Manfred basically indicated that the cheating may have continued into the postseason when it was previously indicated that it hadn't. The 2017. Yeah. And then somebody was like, well, who who indicated that? And he's like, oh, player statements. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, so the cheaters said that they did it. So they did it. That's cool. And then he just, he's basically like, yeah, we probably should have done more, but we're not going to do anything more. So yeah. And that's uh, where it really got to the point that has just been driving me insane through this entire thing is that we all, I don't well, I won't say we all, but plenty of people saw this coming. Like as early as like when I started writing for Bless You Boys back in like end of 2014, beginning of 2015, it was already an issue because all of a sudden there were computer screens everywhere and tablets and players were talking about watching the game up in the, you know, right up the tunnel in the clubhouse. And there were TVs in the hallways and guys, you know, coaches are walking around with tablets. And it was just immediately like, how is this not going to be used for evil? It absolutely, mm-hmm. it absolutely will. And, you know, and Rob Manford basically admitted today that, yeah, oh, well, we should have been more proactive about this. But I look at this the same way I look at the steroid thing, which is like, it seemed like everybody knew what was going on and no one ever went to do to do anything about it, even after like publicly coming out and, and talking about this and behind the scenes, Manfred sending all those letter the letter out in 2017 saying, I guess like, you know, we know some teams are using technology to steal signs, um, but we're not going to investigate any of it. And so stop. <laughs> Which seems to be yeah, the message. Like, like they didn't investigate it, they didn't stop anybody from doing it. They just send a letter out that, to my mind, is almost like tacit permission for anything that had gone before. Like, oh well, we know you guys have all been breaking that rule, but come on now, it's time to stop. Um, which just, call, I mean, all of this is called Rob Manfred's character and ability to police the game and enforce the rules fairly. All of that is is in massive question. Like, I, well, it's really hard to imagine it, him surviving this. Except for the fact no. that the owners may just not care. Love him. Well, when you have in the past 24 hours, both Bernie Sanders and LeBron James call <laughs> you out for being pretty much just a tool. 
Um, it's uh, not a great sign. It's not good for you. That's not, that's, I mean, yeah. Okay. Now everyone's talking about baseball, but I don't (laughs) think this is what we had in mind. Yeah. Like I joked today on Twitter. I said that one of the guys in my office, who's like, it's like, we're in Canada. This guy is strictly a hockey fan. He comes up to my desk this morning with his coffee and he's like, all right. So Ashley, what's the deal with this Astros thing? Yeah. And I'm like, how much time do you have? (laughs) Because I, I gave him like the TLDR, but it still took me 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, I'm like player burner accounts and possible buzzers and all of these stupid statements and it's a mess. Yeah, and I, I'm getting that at work too, and it's striking because on the one hand, it also reminds me like how rarely people actually ask me about baseball, even though they know I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the person to ask. Uh, and it also says that yeah, this this is the the issue that is going well beyond baseball, and everyone is aware of what's going on and trying to figure out. You know, like, just how big a scandal is this? Like, is this, you know, people are trying to contextualize it, basically. Like, is this worse than steroids? Is it not as bad? Teams have always been cheating. Is this, well, is this that much worse? Well, people are also using it as an excuse to, like, reissue Pete Rose oh, back yeah. into the sport. And I'm like, no, no. Let's not get crazy here. Just because these cheaters aren't getting punished appropriately doesn't mean that previous generations of cheaters aren't getting punished appropriately. Like, we can't say, oh, the Astros aren't getting banned from baseball, so let's reinstate Pete Rose. Like, they're different things. Exactly. The problem with Pete Rose is that he was betting on baseball, which affects outcomes of games. That. At very, yes. at very least, the Astros were trying like hell to win. <laughs> like, like, I mean, like, you, you, you can't take that yeah, away like, from them. They weren't throwing the games, but yeah. No, Pete Rose wanted to win money. The Astros wanted to win a World Series. And neither one of them was right in what they did. But I think that ultimately the sins are very different. Yeah. And we, and it's it's just been this progression of Astros players. Like, you know, one day it was Verlander's turn to come out there and get, you know, just raked over the coals and people bring it up like, you know, everything that's ever happened, everything he's ever said to criticize anybody else. Um, rightly so. Ooh, he, yeah, He loves to criticize people on other teams. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's just a tough thing because I appreciate that, guy, that you know, some guys at least are willing to speak out on, like, domestic violence and some of those things. And I don't really know what anyone could have expected a person in that situation to do when it then happens to their own team other than say something, but the, but the totality of his statements. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way not to read all of this stuff and, and to look at the way he's handled this and not to feel like this is complete hypocrisy. Um, well, I think that the problem is because he's got a history of it. Yeah. Like if you look at his takes on anything from PEDs to domestic violence to like cheating if we consider PED use to be cheating which he has in the past suggested it is yeah Um, I mean it is it is yeah it is it gives (laughs) an unfair advantage um but I mean even when it was happening and it was so he was speaking out against D Gordon but when it was Johnny Peralta not a word when it would happen to other players when he was on the Tigers who would get suspended for domestic violence he'd be all over it but then you know Roberto Osuna joins his team crickets and i know it's hard to speak out against people on your own team like i get it there's a clubhouse mentality that needs to be maintained you can't go talking crap about people on your team or maybe it doesn't Um, or maybe it doesn't need to be maintained yeah but like maybe like 
you can come out like with domestic violence. Maybe you can say like, you know what, I, I can't speak to the people on my own team, but because of the changes in certain situations, I'm making such and such a donation to a domestic violence organization. And, you know, I can't, you know, I, I don't know what you do, but I don't think, I, I don't think you go from making jokes at your Cy Young speech about how technologically advanced the Astros are right. to being like, oh, she'll, she'll just said more. Like, you don't, you didn't care then and you don't care now. Yeah. You just don't like to be asked about it. And his, I think he's shown his character. And I think it's changed my opinion of him pretty drastically in the last year. I think, um, yeah, I think that's happened kind of to a lot of people. Yeah, with yeah. him with him in particular. Not Not so much me, honestly, but... Yeah, Man, you can love love him away. He's one of the best pitchers. He's yeah, yeah well, I one mean, of the best Tiger. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's all there's all that like, side to it. It's really just about like like about these issues. Like, I don't, I just don't, I don't peg Justin Verlander as particularly egregious because he tried to do the right thing and then failed when it was his turn to be at you know to be at him. Like when when it was his team, um, it's not great. But I also I'm not super upset about it like the fennec thing was gross especially like that that in particular kind of grossed me out because you know whatever happened in the clubhouse there like it the pitchers weren't going to have anything to do with it um there was there was there's just no way in my opinion like there's just no way you know a starting pitcher is going to stop the hitters from doing whatever it is the hitters are doing um no but but by the same token like you say like well you know, and it's when, when you talk to so late but yeah. like, because he did join at the end, like the beginning of September. What are you gonna do? But yeah, I don't know. I know, and the, and the whole thing is frustrating because you almost have to like detail every bit of it to have a conversation with people, <laughs> because there's so many people just kind of rolling in, like you know, just just upset about the trash can, and it's like I've said to a few people, like the tr- you know, signaling with the trash can is totally totally legit. There's nothing wrong with that, and people like lose their minds about it. like what. That's not the problem. The only problem is the camera. And I, and I want to bring yep. this back to Manfred because the very first thing that came out of his first, you know, report was this was a player's player driven, you know, s- scandal. And he said that. And then the first, the only things that happened was, was that the front office got punished with hint with Hinch and Lunau getting suspended for a year. Um, with, and then fired. Yeah. And probably Cora, Carlos Beltran, you know, coming under some scrutiny, but still like player, player directed. This was all player directed. And then you start to find out like, oh, that, who was it? Jared Diamond at the Wall Street Journal got that, that memo about the Astros Codebreaker team, which was basically. In the dark arts. Yeah. Part of the front office was actually devoted to watching the film and, and decoding the signs. And so then you see, like, oh, okay, well, it was player-driven, but the front office was all up in this, like, 100%. They were the ones doing it. And then, as Manfred has explained, the reason he says he can't punish the players is because he had to give them, on the one hand, he had to give them immunity to get accurate testimony, and two, because general manager Jeff Lunau, when they warned all the teams that they knew stuff was going on and that everybody needed to just knock it off right now if they wanted immunity, I guess, basically didn't forward that on and just buried it. And, and so the, the players weren't, you know, notified, but it's just odd because it's not a rule. It wasn't a rule change. It was just like a notice that, Hey, we're going to enforce this rule now. 
Like, yeah, you should probably stop cheating. Yeah, which brings all the unwritten rules versus the written rules crap to, to the fore. Like, there's just so much here that is that is opaque. It's just it's hard to to know where to start. Um, and and I well, think that just it... leads to people just being like flat out like furious. Like you know, it's not even. It, this all started out where people could blame the Astros, like these guys, th- like those these couple players, especially like this is the problem. And ever since then, it just keeps mushrooming to like, why did MLB handle it this way? Oh, the Astros' entire front office seems like they were actually involved in this, and most of those guys are still working there. And then you've got the Red Sox, who of course had their own side to this scheme. And yeah. I don't know. And I just, I just, I'm just wincing because I just have a feeling that. This is even far more widespread than people think it is. And I don't know if that part will ever come out, but I, I'm, I'm terrified that this is only going to get worse. Well, I mean, this whole season, I mean, the Astros are pretty easy villains to make, considering just what a monstrous, like, debacle they have made of themselves this season between the whole Fennec getting barred thing, the Stephanie Epstein story for like sports illustrated where they were basically like, nah, she's lying instead of actually doing any kind of damage control to tell the truth, um, which totally turned around and bit them. They lost their assistant GM because of it. And I say lost, but you know, they're better off for it. (laughs) Right. Um, Lost in the way you lose like a really bad, like infection. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I mean, all of that, and then this comes out, like, I, I'm mind blown by the Astros fans who are still able to defend every little thing that this club does, because just it's just a history of disastrous decision making. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And yeah, I mean, we've said this on the air here before. And you can't like, blame the players for all of that. Right, right, right. It's true. Like it, it's a lot of that is management choices and front office choices. And yeah, okay. So the players were part of, and one of the major driving forces of, of the signs dealing, but like the players didn't, you know, bring in that monitor on their own and pay a staff member to sit there and watch that video feed. Yeah. Like this was sanctioned Yeah. and it was allowed by everybody and yeah, it would be nice to see the players get punished for it because they were kind of the ringleaders, but nobody was down there saying, mm, guys, this is both stupid and wrong. So yeah. I, I think it's just top to bottom. The entire Astros organization should just be scrubbed and started from scratch. It really does seem like like this is just an absolutely systemic you know, cultural problem with them. Like maybe that's true in terms of the Red Sox. Um, I don't know, maybe there's another team or two that you could say that about that we just don't know about. I have no idea. But what we do know, yeah, I mean, it just seems like everyone was involved all the way up. And it really feels like the league kind of knew about it and didn't and just and opted not to do anything about it. Like, well, I'll just send out an email like, hey, hey, you guys knock it off. Like, is this wipe my hands? I'm done. Yeah. Like, is this serious or not? And, it, you know, and it's easy to, to kind of pin it on Manfred or to pin it on the players or the Astros front office too. But the, you know, the, the guys who are responsible for the game are the 30 owners out there. And, you know, I really, really wonder about the stewardship of the game, the way things have gone the past couple of years. And this is just another example where it just feels like the, the only real concern is public relations. Like that, that's really all they cared about. They didn't really care 
that anyone was stealing until Mike Fires, you know, kind of confirmed it and broke the story. You know, who knows what we might know. And then for Manfred to come out there and be sniping at reporters for uncovering stuff he didn't want them to know, like the Codebreaker um, team yeah. scandal part of it. Yeah, I mean, God, it's just, it's just all been so gross. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's weird because I know it's attracting a lot of attention to baseball, but none of it's good. And uh, and I can't really imagine it being good for the game going forward because unlike steroids, like, you know, you can institute testing for steroids and then, you know, yeah, there are probably guys still using and getting away from it, getting away with it by using, you know, whatever very small amounts or by, you know, the the wealthiest players having access to like the best, you know, sort of non-traditional medical care um, yeah. based on that kind of stuff. Like, but, but at least you have some kind of process. There's no way the fans are ever going to be able to say to themselves with certainty that no one is using cameras to watch, you know, watch for signs or to pick that stuff up. And it's, a, and it might be affecting the game. Like there, I, there's just kind of no way to, to undo that fear, which is why I keep bringing up the dang, like, point that there should be no no hand signs on the baseball field anymore we should have found a way to move beyond that and i hope they can because uh i mean i i, I don't know I, I just don't even know kind of where to go right now um with this or i don't know if it's gonna end i don't know like if if this is all kind of like an isolated thing or if this was systemic i don't know if if anything that they've done so far has convinced anyone to stop if anyone else was doing it um I don't know. I, I, it's just all complete uncertainty and, and paranoia at this point. I don't know. It's, um, it's monstrous. I mean, obviously none of us were around for the Black Sox scandal. And I, don't, I know most of us weren't around even for when the, the Pete Rose thing hit the wall, um, hit the fan, I should say. I, I, with the way that Twitter feeds this and the whole social media spectrum and how it just won't... I've just... Eat, Nope. Okay, cool. Oh my God. I was going to sneeze and it just went away. Um, allergic to this bull crap. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I think that it's a whole new world of scandal because the internet never forgets anything Yeah. and nobody's going to allow these guys to forget what's happened. Like there are days I go online and I just, I feel for the social media team that runs the Astros Twitter account. Oh yeah. Cause you, just um and i like i just look at the way people are getting harassed over it yeah all the way my... that players are getting tormented about it and it's just it's a it's a whole new world yeah and the speed at which people are able to like snipe at each other and shit talk each other pardon my french i was so good up till then <laughs> um yeah but like to trash talk either it, it's astonishing how much different it is. And I don't think it's going to simmer down anytime soon no. because we just keep poking the bear. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, and I feel terrible for my Astros saying stupid things. Yeah. And, and going back and like searching everyone who is involved, you know, comments on Twitter, all their Instagram, for, like everything, like looking for, mm-hmm. you know, for bait uh, to be able to stir the pot, you know, a little bit more. So and yeah, I mean, I feel terrible for a lot of my Astros follows who are really good fans and, you know, feel terrible about this and are, are just hating it and who are also just getting lumped in with all the Astros fans who are now just basically at war with the world because they feel like, you know, whatever, like everyone's against them and blah, blah, blah. And then there's all the people who are literally are just against them. 
<laughs> just yeah, just hammering tongs at them uh, all, all day long. And then the one uh, proactive measure that Rob Banford does decide to announce this week, and and it's been a daily, you know, it's been like the daily fuckery with with Rob Banford. Like, you know, here's your here's your update on you know how he's decided to piss everyone off today. <laughs> Com- comes out a couple days ago and talks about you know instituting new guidelines for hit by pitches and how there's going to be like a you know a really strict maybe not quite like zero tolerance policy but they're going to be way way quicker to toss pitchers out of games to issue suspensions all this kind of stuff and you know that's really the only proactive thing he's done and of course it's all obviously to benefit the Astros and to keep them from just mm-hmm. getting you know headhunted and beamed all year which just infuriated everyone to you know a whole a whole nother level. Like not only do they get to keep the title and you know their money and everything else, but now they also get special protection from getting hit by pitches too. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. I did get a laugh. I think my favorite tweet about that was somebody suggesting that all of the games that are against the Astros players like pitch, like teams should just start with like a reliever yeah. opening the game who can like just wallop somebody with the first pitch and then get tossed. And then not only do they get to hit one of the players, they also get to bypass the three batter mandatory rule right. <laughs> that's been instituted. Well, I think that's then, a key uh, point. Anytime you're facing the Astros and your reliever needs to get out of the game, just have him plunk somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Although, our, our dear friend, Nikki Hardy, um, did have a very good point on Twitter the other day, which I, I liked. And she, as the wife of a pitcher, would probably know where she's like, I see that it's not pitchers making these suggestions because what pitcher in their right mind would want to give one of these cheaters a free base? <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I got you. I got you. Yep, it's true. And I mean, I mean, I understand why people reacted the way they did, but I also kind of feel like that that might be the one good thing he said. It's not going to work um, the way no. the way he came out and put it. But yeah, I mean, I I do worry about that because you know you look at the Astros and there's what like maybe five or six position players who were really involved um, in this thing in 2017, 2018, whenever you you think it ended, mm-hmm. or 2019. Um, and you know, are people, are pitchers going to be selective or is it just going to be like, ah, oh, we're just going to come out there and just drill Michael Brantley or whoever else is available, you know? Yeah. I don't know. No, I think it's going to be Bregman, man. Bregman's got to yeah. watch him. So I, I guarantee you, yeah, Bregman, Springer and Correa and, and Altuve had better watch themselves. Yep. It's going to, yeah, and, they're going to get, oh, and Yuli. And you oh, really well, probably deserve it. Yeah, I'm anybody. not going to be so sad about that because Astros fans are now like resharing and tagging you, Darvish, in like the racist gesture photos. Yep. And like Darvish, the the king of Twitter that he is, is taking it in stride publicly. But like nobody needs to be bombarded with crappy baseball fans sharing racist garbage at them all day, like. As, as somebody who's already been punished by this whole thing because of what, like, the hit that his confidence took because of it. Yeah, and like, reputation, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. His, his whole career could have been ruined because of it. It was hard enough for him to, like, find and maintain a position in baseball. Like, whoa. I get so mad on people's behalves. I am pretty mad like, on you, on you Darvish's behalf, but I've kind of been yeah. that way since it all went down, even before we knew that any of this might have been involved. Because, yeah, it just sucked how much uh, the Dodgers put put this on you, Darvish, to begin with. Like, Dodgers fans in general. Yep. Um, it's been crap. 
Yeah, you Darvish and is he awesome. He was so good about not blaming Brilliant anybody pitcher. at the beginning. He's like, no, I was the one who was bad. It was me. Right. And now you, you can see this in him where he's like, no, these jerks cheated. They did this to me. Like, he's definitely not blaming himself anymore, which I think is at least one positive thing. Yeah, yeah. At least um, I, I do feel like he's been, like, fully redeemed and, and maybe more with a lot of people yeah. looking to him like, oh, this is, you know, this is a guy who more than anybody else kind of took, you know, took the crap for it. And, you know, I mean, the starts where he got blown up were on the road and supposedly there was nothing involved at that point. So I, I don't even know how much any of that matters, but it's just been nice to see a correction because, man, I love me some you Darvish. And, yeah, Absolutely. He's only continued to um, to, to gain stature in, in my eyes over the past few years, the way he's handled all this crap. So, yeah, here we are. Um, spring training is here, and we're still relitigating the 2017 uh, postseason. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know when I don't know when that's going to end. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it just doesn't. It, it just feels worse might and worse. Not. Yeah, because we don't know what's going to happen with Boston, if anything, like what that situation is going to be. And that could just cause everything to blow up anew. So, like, who even knows anymore? I know. Imagine imagine the the next year's World Series winner also was still stealing signs in in 20, you know, 2018. Oh, Jesus. It'd just be just be a complete, complete disaster. Yeah. And at the end of it all, I, I still don't even know. I still don't even know like how much I think it helped them. Like it obviously did. I, I don't doubt that it helped them to some degree, but um, I, you know, I, it, we're just never going to be able to unpack it to figure out like, you know, what should a guy have hit or, or whatever. All I, all I know, and I've seen some other people say this too, is like um, if, if one of the Astros hitters wants to maintain their reputation, they better hit their ass off this year. <laughs> like those guys, yeah. I, I saw Verlander say that too. Like, you know, the, the only way we're going to redeem ourselves is by proving we're, we're as good as, you know, people thought we were that year. And like, yeah, I guess that's about it. You guys better go out there and play some goddamn impeccable baseball and just suck it up when your guys get hit, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the thing that bugs me, I think, the most about it is that they really wore that that badge of honor of being like the perfect rebuilding team, the smartest team in baseball about creating, you know, something from nothing and coming up from the bottom. And it's all, it's all crap. Like the leadership, anything they they did that was actually good is completely obliterated by this. Yep. Yep. I mean, the reversal of reputation has been incredible. Yeah, like, can we look at it now and be like, well, great, the, like, era of tanking that we're seeing right now is, I think, partly, there. I think the Astros are partly responsible for that, because you have these teams looking to, like, bolster their farms and start the way the Astros did, and and now what? Like, Yeah, yeah. would that have worked? Wait two years and cheat? Like, <laughs> is what they're doing worth it now that they see how they really won that title? Yep. I don't know. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yep, kind of, kind of calls the the whole program into question. So I don't know, I don't know how much longer, but we're gonna we're gonna just have to keep keep putting this segment hopefully late in the show because <laughs> I want to talk. It's Tigers. just gonna keep happening. I'm excited though. about the I'm excited about the season. I'm excited about you know seeing a lot of the young guys come out and play, and and that's my focus, and that's what I want. But we're just not gonna get away from this. So so it goes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
I think that's going to do about do it for this week. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can talk about the Astros anymore. I'm pacing now and no. I'm upset. <laughs> um, I'm ready for a nap now after that. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're going to try to get a special guest or two together for you guys. I know I've said this repeatedly. <laughs> We've had a couple things just not work out over the years. We were talking to, I was talking to Buck Farmer's agent recently. That that one didn't come to pass. So I don't oh, know. If, no. Yeah. So I, I don't know if we're going to get any players, but um, we do have a few ideas um, on that front. We might be able to produce an interesting guest or two before the season occurs. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, I may be recording with someone you'll all be interested to hear from later on this week. Um, and Ashley and I will be back next week. Um, we will possibly try to get Rob Rojacki, our managing editor, involved at some point. Um, I'd like to get Adam Dubbin on and kind of hear a little bit about his uh, his time in Lakeland this spring, taking pictures. Yeah, man. Talking to players and seeing what goes on down there. So, yeah, we've got some plans, and um, we'll, we'll try to keep all that content rolling for you guys. And, yeah, looking forward to the season getting going. This, there's some interesting things coming up. The Tigers are going to play the Twins and the Dominican in about a week. Um, that's kind of an interesting little, I don't know, like invitational matchup down there that'll go on. And yeah, before long, we should hear the dulcet tones of one Dan Dickerson on the radio and weather getting nicer. Sounds great. Summer is coming. Yep. Yep. Give me baseball. Even if it's, uh, even if it's corrupted and monstrous. I look, (laughs) I just, the thing, like I just give me something to focus on other than the Astros. Like, although I got to say, and I'm pretty amused by this, the first game I get to go to this year, because I'm doing an East Coast road trip, oh, yeah. uh, will be in Boston, and it will be the Red Sox versus the Astros. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Right in the Crucible. So that should be hilarious. Um, I'll let you know if it explodes. Yep. Yep. That, <laughs> yeah, that should be fascinating, because yeah, you know the Red Sox fans will give it to them left and right, regardless of the fact that the Red Sox yeah. may well have been doing all this. And it's going to be pretty early in the season. It's late May I get to go. So uh, it should be intriguing. Awesome. Yeah, that should be a good trip. Get yourself some East Coast, Eastern Seaboard seafood. Oh, I'm going to eat so much seafood. See Although people are telling me I'm not supposed to have oysters in the summertime. Oh, really? Uh, and I'm a little heartbroken about this news. That apparently you're only supposed to eat them in like months that end in or months that have an R in them or something is the rule. And then like the summertime isn't great, but I've never had East coast oysters. So I'm like, no, I want to try them. Yeah. You might have to do it anyway. I might, I might just brave it. Like they're not going to sell me poisoned fish. Yeah. It's probably just not as good as when they're in their, like the height of their season. Yeah, for sure. So. Or maybe they're more expensive or something. I don't know. Like they're just less plentiful or something that I don't know. I could, could be. Anyway, I've had plenty of West Coast oysters. They're amazing. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Awesome. And uh, yeah, later on in the fall, I will be taking uh, my baseball stylings to Iceland and uh, explore that fair country. So we're going to be out and about a little bit this year, which is good. Yeah, I, trips in. I get to do opening day in uh, London. Oh, oh. Yeah. I will be in London, England for opening day this year. Um, and somebody's told me that there is a baseball themed bar there, like a MLB, like they sell official merch and stuff. And it's like a baseball only bar in London. Um, so I may have to go check that out for opening day and get have my you, fix. Have you talked to Joey, uh, baseball Brit? 
You should see if he's... Uh, and I think somebody somebody tagged him in my plight, but he never replies to me. I'm a little bit miffed about it. Oh, he's too big for us now. Okay. He is. He's outgrown us. But uh, yeah, um, the Tigers UK, one of our one of the the Tigers guys on Twitter, he mentioned the bar to me. Um, he's he's the one who got the uh, was it a Reyes tattoo last year? Or... Yep. He did. Victor yeah. Reyes so... tattoo. Yeah. He yeah. Did. yeah. <laughs> So he's the one who told me about this baseball bar in London. So I'm I'm pretty psyched to try that out and see what that's all about. Oh yeah, that should be cool. Yeah, Jed lost a bet and uh, got a Victor Victor Reyes tattoo. So and now he writes for Motor City Bengals. So you can yeah, check- he sure does. I saw that today. That's kind of cool. Yep, you can check out his stylings over there. Um, our boy Jay Markle is over there now. Uh, Roger Martin from Tigers Minor League Report is over there as co-expert. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they've got going on over there. But um, yeah, that'll about do it for us this week. Um, we'll be back next Tuesday or next Thursday or somewhere in that vicinity with a new episode. Um, in the meantime, you can follow Ashley at 90 feet from home on Twitter. And you can follow myself at Fiscadoro 74 on Twitter. And we will catch you next time. Ashley, have a good night. <laughs> Peace out. Bye-bye.